Hi everyone, Steve here. Before we get started with the show, this is just to say that if you are enjoying the podcast, think about leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice. You can find more ways to support the show at rootboundpodcast.com slash support. You are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Bound is brought to you by the month of September. Do you remember the 21st night of September? Love was changing the minds of pretenders while chasing the clouds away. Hi, this is Maggie and Ashley. And this is Steve, and you are not listening to The Watering Hole. If you're not aware, The Watering Hole is an excellent podcast about... Well, actually, would you two like to describe The Watering Hole? The Watering Hole, (laughs) I just told somebody about this in the lobby, is a place where animals and animal enthusiasts regularly drink. Every episode? I'm surprised how much you remember. (laughs) Every episode, Maggie and I uh, indulge in an adult beverage and share some of our favorite animal facts uh, with one another. Uh, and uh, hilarity ensues. Yes, and the watering hole is definitely the podcast that inspired me to start this podcast. <gasps> and so, thank you for that inspiration. And and You're uh, and Maggie and Ashley were on the first two episodes of this show. So, if you want to go back and listen to their facts about uh, basil and mimosa pudica, yes, mm-hmm. um, they're very fascinating. Um, but we happen to be in the same physical space today, so I thought I would bring them on to the intro of this podcast. And just before we get into the interview segment. Do either of you rapid fire peas or carrots? Carrots. Carrots. I'm also a carrot fan too, and as you'll hear, uh, our guest today is also definitely more on the carrot team. So let's get to that. Hey, Steve here, just uh, editing the podcast, and I needed to make a quick clarification. We just spoke with Maggie and Ashley of The Watering Hole, but our guest today is also named Ashley, and I can guarantee you they are two completely different Ashleys. Hi, Ashley. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. Hi, thanks for having me. Do you have a plant to share with us today? I do. Uh, I am going to talk about peas. Peas. I'm looking forward to this because I, I you know, I eat peas, but I really don't think I know anything. I tried to grow them one, one time unsuccessfully. So that's about all my knowledge of peas. Um, well, I, I discovered some knowledge of peas, but actually the reason I'm talking about them is because I have a phobia of peas. And I don't eat them. Okay. All right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, do you want to get into, I don't want to, you know, push you to overshare, but do you want to get into maybe perhaps why you have a phobia of bees? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> I get asked that question a lot because, you know, when I'm going out to restaurants with people, they're like, oh, do you have any dietary restrictions? And I always say, the only thing I don't eat is peas. And they ask why. And it's, um, so it actually goes back to my childhood. First of all, I just hated peas in general. I just don't, didn't like the taste of them. And my mom would make them and I would just sit at the dinner table for hours. She'd be like, no, you have to sit, you have to eat all your peas, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, <laughs> essentially. So I would just sit there and not eat them. Eventually she would get tired and then I would go to the bathroom and, and flush them down the toilet. But <laughs> the phobia came really when, I don't know, I was, I don't 
back when I was a kid, maybe like 12 or something. My parents went away for the weekend and um, we ended up staying with this family that we knew kind of through my dad's work. And they were a very strict family, uh, very like essentially fundamentalist Christian family who you know, would wake up at 4am to do prayers. And we would do all of this, you know, you know, prayers and, and practicing things. There was no TV allowed. And when we went there, the mom was essentially like, okay, is there any, you know, dietary restrictions that I need to know about? And my mom told her, Ashley doesn't like to eat peas. But we have this rule in our house that she has to eat as many spoonfuls of peas as she is old. And I think I think I was 12 at that time. And that actually was not a rule in our house. I have no okay. idea why my mom said that. Like, I, don't, I mean, I don't 12 know spoonfuls of peas is like a full portion of peas. Yeah, it's like pure <laughs> torture for yeah. a kid who hates peas. Yeah, and yeah. for whatever reason, then this family <laughs> decided to make me a bowl of peas every single night that I was there. And I was forced to sit there. And unlike my mom, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not shaming my mom, but she would yeah. leave. And so I could throw them in the toilet and get away. But unlike my mom, they were sitting there and they watched me eat 12 spoonfuls of peas every single night. And it was, it honestly was pure torture. And I think back on it now, I remember turning maybe 18 years old or something. And when I went off to college and I had this moment where I thought for the rest of my life, I get to control what I eat. You know, nobody can sit there and tell me what I need to eat. And I've realized, I think it's just like a matter of feeling like in control of my life. I never want to eat peas again. I've, I've had an errant pea here and there, but I, <laughs> I just like pea. love to be able to say I'm, I cannot eat peas. I will not eat these peas. And it just makes me feel like I have this control I didn't have as a kid. So yeah, it was a, it's kind of a strange story, but yeah, that's how, that's kind of where it really all started. Interesting. So yeah, when you turned 18, you didn't have to eat 18 <laughs> spoonfuls of peas. No, I, if that had happened, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be coming back to the house. <laughs> yeah, but. I remember that rule when you're a kid of like, well, you have to eat as many as you're old, how old you are. And that makes sense when you're little. But yeah, like 12 bites of, of a lot of things is like a lot of food. And 12, bite, 12 spoonfuls of peas. I mean, I don't know if I've ever eaten that many peas in one sitting. Yeah, it was. And like, here's the thing. I People are like, what don't you like about peas? And I'm like, I don't like anything about them. I don't like looking at them. I don't like smelling them. I don't like the taste, the texture. I don't like anything about it. Like everything about it makes me like feel gross. And people think that's crazy. I mean, people think that's crazy. There, I think there are people who don't like peas. I know a lot of people who do like peas, but I very like very strongly don't like peas. And yeah, anyway, that's how this is this is my plant because when you when we were talking about you know what plant I was I was trying to think of like you know I don't think that there's many plants I can think of that have affected my life and then I was like wait a minute peas are a plant and like I'm I'm well known amongst my friends for hating peas so it's kind of it was it's been a kind of interesting thing to like look into it 
That's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, we always say we want you to talk about a plant that's meaningful to you. And having a phobia is definitely meaningful. Normally, people interpret that in the positive way. But I thank you for thinking outside of the box and going that other direction. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, this. these really are meaningful to me. So anyway. <laughs> um, did Were you able to uh, stomach researching peas and look up any fun facts or dazzling details about them? Yes, I did. I actually, for the first time, and I don't know why I never thought of this before, but I looked up what a fear, like a phobia of peas is. And it's called pulsophobia. Pulsophobia. Pulse, like 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 a like a human pulse, like a heartbeat, essentially. A pul- it's like pulsophobia. Oh yeah, right. Because like they are pulses. I think. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So pulsophobia is actually like a phobia of anything within the pulse family, which like is lentils and baked beans, uh, or like you know whatever beans. I actually love beans. I love black beans. Like I love beans. But I just hate peas. So, I mean, I, I guess I have pulsophobia to a certain extent. Where are you on uh, the lentils? So, I actually really like lentils, okay. too. Uh, I actually have a, a, a kind of interesting story about lentils, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> but I, I, I do like lentils. I don't like edamame, even though I understand it's, like, completely different. It's just for some reason it, it kind of looks that i have eaten edamame and i I will if i you know it's in front of me i'll eat like one or two so i don't look like like the total dork at the sushi restaurant you know they are definitely pea adjacent though yeah they're just they're too similar the fact that they're in the pod like the pod kind of freaks me out a little bit yeah um people are like oh do you like snap peas because you know obviously they're different and i'm like no it has the word pea in it i cannot (laughs) So like wasabi peas, those little snacks, definitely not something you would go to? No. Although I will say I have eaten those before. And they're actually like pretty good because I love wasabi. But still, it's just like, I just can't, you know? I just can't. (laughs) So yeah, pulsophobia. So I guess you you have a little bit like a very specific uh, Mm -hmm. branch of that. That's for interesting. Did you learn anything more about pulsophobia? Not that much. Um, It's just kind of something like some. Typically, it's something that happens because of some incident or behavior, you know, in your childhood, which, uh, (laughs) you know, for me, it was like this, this thought of sitting at the table and being forced to eat these, these spoonfuls of peas. Um, So I guess that's where it stems from. But you know, I'm not like, I'm not going to cry and break down if I see peas. People ask me that. I'm like, no, I just am very viscerally like, I like I, I can, I will not consume these. Like if fine, I can like pick things out. Oh, you know, get like fried rice and I'll pick it out and it'll be fine. So that, so that was one of my facts is the, is pulsophobia. I wish I had known that before actually, because talking about my pee phobia has always been like a pretty good talking point for me on like dates. And <laughs> I have, I have it on my dating profile. It was like, what are your, like irrational fears and I say peas and getting decapitated on public transportation. I got a lot of questions about that too. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, so that's my first, that's my first fact. And then this is my, here's my other fact. A couple, I have a couple other ones. Apparently I've never been to England, but from what I hear, they eat a lot of peas. Right. There's a thing like mushy peas is a thing, right? 
oh my God, I just like the <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a thing. Uh, I'm sure like split pea soup and, you know, chicken pot pie. I do love chicken pot pie, but I can't eat it. There's way too many peas. Anyway, There's always peas in it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Always. Okay, so anyway, the people in England apparently on average eat 9,000 peas a year. <laughs> I was like, how? What? How do you eat 9,000 peas a year? And I was talking to my friend about this and she was like, oh, because it's in so many of their dishes. And she she parent, she thinks that it's like a condiment over there. I, I don't know if it actually is, but I just thought that was insane. Like, how do you, you know, how do, anyway. I want to meet people, the statistician who did the numbers on that. Like, yeah, I kind of, <laughs> I was like, how do you come up with that number? You know, like yeah. so strange. Okay, I've got, I got a, a, a few other things. Right. The oldest pea was found in Thailand, and it was 3,000 years old. Like, That's how old do pea. you know that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, first of all... It's so like a fossilized pea? I, I, I guess so. Like, yeah. here's the thing. How, first of all, how do, you, how do you know that? How do you know it's 3,000 years old? Second of all, why were you looking around for old peas? I, I you know... <laughs> if you were an archaeologist, that would be, like, the worst thing to, like... Oh, yeah. You, <laughs> Like Discover all your friends, the oldest pea. All your friends are digging around for like dinosaurs and you're digging around for old peas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, who does that? Oh yeah. man. Uh, anyway, I don't know. Sometimes I I people are strange, but um okay, I I, I took a little bit of notes, but um Can I just jump first... in with one pea thing I that when, oh, I yeah. didn't think about this until literally we got on the phone. We were thinking about peas, but I was thinking about how there's that trope of like eating peas with a knife, and you see in cartoons where they would like roll the peas down their mouth on a knife. And I was like, "Yeah, how did that become a thing?" And I don't have an answer for that. But then that jogged this thing in my memory, which is a poem that my grandpa used to say, and I just had to Google it. And apparently, it is by anonymous. But I still remember oh, I it. it's they... like burnt, burned in my brain. Do you know the poem I'm going to say? No, I was going to say I hear Anonymous has great, you know, literature. So great writer, yeah, yeah, but, uh, excellent uh, writer. Uh, this this is just so weird that I that I that I can memorize. I'm going to recite this poem for you from memory. It's very short. It says, "I eat my peas with honey. I've done it all my life. It's not because I like it, but it keeps them on my knife." That is so funny. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, Again, I just yeah. Like, who are these people who are making the you know so interesting? It, it's such like a it, like the eating your peas with a knife became such a trope that somebody wrote a that anonymous wrote a yeah. poem about it. But it's like, did anyone ever really eat their? I don't know. We can speculate all we want about the the peas on the knife thing. But anyway, I just I, when we we're talking about peas, I was like, oh God, I I have a poem about peas in my brain somewhere. That's so funny. Yeah, well, apparently, from my research, the proper way to eat peas is to, like, smash it on the back of your fork. Oh. That's, I that, mean, that's, that's what... smart. Yeah, I guess that's smart. Although, to me, <laughs> like, peas, like a round pea, I, I don't I don't like it, I, obviously. But a smashed pea, I'm just <laughs> like, ah, ah. So it's even worse to, to me to think about smashing it on the back of your fork and eating it. So, yeah, I guess if I was ever forced to again, would I eat a pea to save my life? Yeah, I would. So if okay. I was ever forced to, I would prefer to do it on the knife, you know? 
not yeah, okay. not the proper way. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well. Well. Hopefully, you're never in that scenario. Um, but uh, <laughs> I hope you know, so. And I think you gave me a good tip because you know that is a problem with peas. They are round and they roll, and eating them can be a challenge. But yes, I smash them with the back of your fork. Of course, that should be, should have been obvious. Yeah, it should have. Um, <laughs> okay. And then my my last fact is okay. Apparently, peas that are boiled with onions and spiced with cinnamon is supposed to be a very powerful aphrodisiac. Boiled peas with onions and cinnamon. Yes. Uh, okay, do you know anything more about this? Where did this come from? Who said this? Where did... <laughs> I have no idea. It was on my little pea facts. Like, there's a, bu- there's a bunch of websites that have facts about peas. I'm like... <laughs> Again, why? Who? Who does this? But it was the last fact about how it's a very powerful aphrodisiac. And uh, again, who thought of that? That how 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 is that an aphrodisiac? Who? Yeah, I mean, I like peas, and that doesn't sound very uh, sexy. But for you, I imagine that is (laughs) definitely not an aphrodisiac. (laughs) To me, these facts are so crazy. This is it was a it's been a fun kind of research tip to like oh this is so interesting to me but i mean kind of in a reverse way but yeah it's not going to get easier it's going to get harder so we might as well do it now eat our peas uh you know now's the time to do it well uh thank you for sharing about peas with me do you mind if i share a plant with you oh yeah yeah of course Great. So I, I always try to choose the right plant. And then today was just obvious because I thought it was just like, well, you're talking about peas. Let's just go with carrots and have the episode be about <laughs> peas and carrots. That was funny. Uh, so, I mean, carrots mean something to me like they mean, I think, to everybody. They're food we eat. Do you like carrots? I love carrots, actually. Okay, cool. So this should be a, yeah. less, a less uncomfortable part to talk about it. But yeah, I've tried to grow carrots a few times with middling success. But yeah, they're just, you know, they're a good, a good uh, food. Um, but so I, I was researching carrots, and so I like to talk about the names of plants a lot, and the, especially the Latin names. And the carrot's Latin name is Dacus carota, subspecies sativa. And this is pretty sativa. interesting. Hmm. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. Sativa, you know, people know that word sativa uh, a lot. Uh, sativa is Latin to sow, and so it sativa is often appended to plants that are the cultivated variety of that plant. So this is a subspecies of Dacus carota is the one we eat. But Dacus carota is also, and this is a little bit special, it is still a widely spread wild plant. So wild carrots are everywhere. In fact, I don't know if you've ever heard of a plant called Queen Anne's Lace. It sounds familiar. Yeah. Queen Anne's Lace is a wild carrot. And you can theoretically eat the root of it when it's really young. But normally you see them, they have these really tall stalks and this circular flower, uh, uh, white flower arrangement with a little red red flower in the middle. And it's called Queen's Anne's Lace because the story is it kind of looks like a lace that somebody maybe huh. pricked their finger on. And yeah. And like, anyway. But that is the wild carrot. However, just warning to the audience, make don't probably just don't try to eat wild carrots because there is a very common other plant that looks very much like the wild carrot and that's poison hemlock which is this classic <laughs> poison from like history i think you know lots of what a so, what a bait and switch that is yeah yeah now if Mother you know Nature what you're doing hilarious. yeah yeah if you know what you're doing you can tell the difference 
but it's not something I'm going to try to describe on a podcast because I don't yeah. want anyone poisoning themselves. So just don't try to, I mean, also wild carrots are not very tasty. The, the, the cultivated ones, they've been selectively bred over hundreds of years to have a really nice, big, long root that stays tender. Mm-hmm. Whereas the wild carrot, it gets woody really quickly and is no longer edible. So yeah. I just thought it's interesting that the wild plant and the cultivated plant kind of just still exist. Normally it's like the cultivated one becomes so different from the wild thing that they're not really identifiable anymore. But this is literally the subspecies of the wild one. So I thought that was cool. That is cool. That's so cool. I had no idea. If you, just to get into Latin names a little bit, so sativa means to sow, so that's for the cultivated variety. Dacus is the ancient Greek word for the carrot plant. And then carota is apparently from ancient Greek that means horn. So it's like the carrot kind of looks like a horn. So that's why they, yeah. they, they named the Latin name Dacus Carota. And the word carrot comes from that, I guess, at some point they started shifting from the name Dacus to Carota because it, it, as the as the root got bigger, it started looking more and more like a horn. You know, I wonder if, um, you know, in the modern English language, if we had gone with Dacus instead, you know, w- what we would just be talking about Dacus all the time. Yeah. Like, isn't that kind of weird to think you could have? Yeah. It could peas have been Dacus, yeah, yeah, peas and Dacus, <laughs> or peas and sativa, or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And Dacus is more, I, you know, that was the name for the plant, whereas Carota was more of a description of the plant. Hmm. So it is interesting that you know we we in the Latin name they decided to keep them both around. Um, and I guess there's other plants in the Dacus genus, even though I did not do any other research about them. Okay, instead of doing like a traditional like fun facts and dazzling details today i thought i was i will i'm gonna i'm gonna do some myth busting i'm gonna bust three common myths about the carrot Ooh. are you ready i'm ready okay so this one is maybe the least common myth about the carrot but some people know this and i've heard this a number of times there is a myth that carrots are orange because they were selectively bred in the netherlands to honor william of orange because <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a myth, and there's yeah. a little bit of truth there, but they were not selectively bred specifically to be orange because of William of Orange. What happened is so carrots originally were white or yellow. In fact, way 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 back, I guess there wasn't much differentiation between a carrot and a parsnip. They they looked basically oh. the same. Yeah, but through cultivation, they started to get more yellow, some purple, and there is apparently evidence of orange carrots existing in the Ottoman Empire 200 years before William of Orange. So there were already orange carrots. But but carrots are orange carrots are strongly identified with the Netherlands. And that's and 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 what they think actually happened is that some of these orange carrot seeds got up to the Netherlands. The 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 Dutch are very good farmers. They started growing a lot of them. The orange carrot was really grew really well in the Netherlands. And mm-hmm. around the same time as when this whole like, you know, independence with William of Orange thing happened, and then after, so there were just a lot of orange carrots in the Netherlands around this time, coincidentally. And then later, when they started like exporting lots of carrots, they started marketing the orange carrot as a Dutch thing because Dutch is, orange is like the national color of the Netherlands. But it's not like they were purposely bred yeah. to honor him. They just happened to be orange in the Netherlands because of cultivation stuff. And then they used that to their advantage as a marketing thing. So, Wow, they really cornered the market on that. That's yeah. incredible. But you know, I, it's funny because I was just thinking, I, you know, I see purple and white and, uh, and yellow 
carrots now when you go to like super fancy restaurants. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, maybe they'll make a comeback, but that's impressive to get the, yeah. the corner of the market like that. Indeed, indeed. So, okay, the next myth, and I remember this as a kid, is that if you eat a lot of carrots, it will make your nighttime vision better. And that is not I true. I didn't hear nighttime vision. I heard vision in general, but that would have been sick if you could have just... Yeah. I heard nighttime gotten... vision, and even for the vision in general, this is where it's a little bit of a like nuance. It doesn't necessarily make your vision better but it does it can prevent your vision from getting worse. So vitamin A, which is really strong in carrots, is apparently really good for keeping the cornea clear. So it's not going to like make you have better eyes, but it can like prevent your eyes from degrading as fast. But there oh. is this myth, and I remember this as a kid that if you eat a lot of carrots, you'll be able to see in the dark better. And that's apparently a common myth. I looked it up, and that myth comes from uh, it, it, it's rooted in this fact that vitamin A is good for eyesight, and people kind of knew this. But the myth about being good for eyesight actually goes back to World War II during the Blitzkrieg. <laughs> and, wow. uh, and, you know, this is when the Germans were bombing London and England at night all the time. But to combat that, you know, the British would turn out the lights completely, like black out the city so that the Germans couldn't see where they were bombing. But then British fighter pilots were actually very successful at shooting down the German pilots. And that's because they had vented this thing called radar. And so they were able to see in the dark. But I guess as apparently as uh, obfuscation of this new technology, in papers they started saying that these top pilots that shot down all these German guys ate a lot of carrots. And so they could see better at night. And so that myth of carrots being going to see better at night was actually like political subterfuge against the Germans because they were trying to hide that they had radar. That's incredible. That is a... Very fun fact. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna take that fact and I'm gonna bring it on dates with me. Do it. I'll I'll, in the show notes. I have a link to a Smithsonian art, a Smithsonian magazine article all about that, which I thought was very fascinating. Okay, the last myth, and probably this is probably the most. If if I if if I asked you about like what's one thing about carrots, what would you say? I don't know. I all okay. the first thing that comes to mind is Bugs Bunny, but okay. There you go. <laughs> the one thing. Rabbits eating carrots. Really? Rabbits That's what do you were not... thinking? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, cool. So, myth, rabbits do not eat carrots. What? Yeah, and 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 you name you named it. The reason we think that rabbits eat carrots is because of Bugs Bunny. That, that's, again, that's incredible. Oh my gosh, all these facts. And there's, and there's a really interesting reason why Bugs Bunny is known for eating a carrot. And so that goes back to, there was a movie, which I've never seen, called It Happened One Night, starring Clark Gable. And in that movie, he eats a carrot while explaining something to somebody in a very, like, funny way. And oh shortly thereafter, the first animation with Bugs Bunny came out with Tex Avery. And he was basically making Bugs Bunny imitate Clark Gable because everybody knew about that movie. And so now Bugs Bunny was always eating a carrot. And because of Bugs Bunny always eating a carrot, everyone started to think that rabbits eat carrots. But they don't. I mean, they might, if there's carrots in the wild, they might eat the greens. But they're not like, they're not really into carrots. In fact, I even read somewhere that you shouldn't eat, feed carrots to rabbits because they have too much sugar content. It's not really great for them. But 
But wow. but this movie that people don't remember anymore so influenced this cartoon that everybody remembers that it it altered our brains and we think that rabbits eat carrots, but in fact they do not. That that's so cool. Do you think it? I guess you haven't seen the movie. Do you think in that movie he also says "What's up, Doc"? Because where there did that is, come from? So yes, actually. So I, I read a little about this and I haven't seen the movie, but they did describe. So I guess Clark Gable doesn't say "What's up, Doc," but there is a scene in the movie where there's this guy who's like hitting on this other female character and Clark Gable comes in to kind of rescue her. And then the guy, Mm -hmm. he like pretends to be her husband. And the guy says, I'm sorry, doc, you know, and he calls Clark Gable doc. And I guess Bugs Bunny's voice kind of sounds like that guy in the movie. So the what's up doc while eating a carrot is kind of a double reference to Clark Gable eating the carrot and this other character saying doc in this weird voice. That is cool. That's very cool. Wait, Clark Gable is, He's he's the one from um, Gone with the Wind, right? Correct. Yes. Wow. Wow. So this was like a comedy cool. he was in, which I guess was more famous at the time. This movie had happened one night was more famous at the time, and everybody knew it in the forties. So These yeah, that's facts. that's my my myth busting of carrots. Wow, that is dazzling. Truly <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. Of course, yeah, it was so fun. Thanks for having me. What are you eating? Carrots. Roll? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. No. Why didn't you get me something I could eat? Oh, that's right. I forgot the idea of offering a raw carrot to an Andrew. Hey, you don't think I'm going around panhandling for you, do you? You better have one of these. Best thing in the world for you, carrot. All right, we're back here with Maggie and Ashley of the Watering Hole podcast. And I just, in the interview segment, busted some myths about the carrot. And I thought it'd be fun if Maggie and Ashley also busted some plant-based myths. So what do you got for us? Who wants to start? I'm going because I'm holding the mic. Um, (laughs) Also, mine is also about a vegetable, uh, specifically celery. Oh, celery. I I heard this a lot growing up. People would say that you burn more calories eating celery than you do eating than than this food itself so you would like lose weight eating celery yeah uh that's not true okay <laughs> uh that is that is that is uh calorie negative foods don't it don't exist it's like 10 calories or something for for eating celery for a piece of celery but you do like burn calories eating food but like negligible for one piece of celery granted it is a difficult food to chew <laughs> yeah so but you're saying that my whole sal- celery workout plan is not going to work out no. that's why i haven't lost any weight no i mean it is a good i guess it is good for like diets cuz it fills you up and you know doesn't have too many calories lots but, of fiber too yeah lots yeah. of fiber uh, but personally not a celery fan so oh really really unless it's like coated in like cream cheese which i feel like then negates the purpose okay. of celery what about celery are you not a fan of um that it's like hairy water that's chewy <laughs> hairy chewy water mm. i mean that whoever designed that was there were uh-huh. some flaws there that yeah, they didn't yeah. think about yeah <laughs> okay well maggie do you also have a plant-based uh, myth to bust sort of my myth is more folklore based okay sure and yeah. it's why do vampires hate garlic oh yeah um but in the theme of eating things, they, you know, if you're sick, you're often told to eat a clove of garlic because it'll just Im- improve your Im- immune system. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, um, it was thought to be a blood elixir and like make mm-hmm. your blood extremely strong so that it would ward off the vampires. Oh. And so that's why you, they just, they're not into it. It's stronger than they can be. Yeah. And um, 
they just don't like the taste, I guess. I'm not really sure. But yeah. but um yeah, garlic and vampires. It's it's actually not true. Oh really? Oh wow. <laughs> you wow. heard it here first. If you eat a first, lot of yeah. garlic, you mean you're still susceptible to vampires? <laughs> yeah, it just makes the vampire stronger. Oh wow. Okay, okay. Whoa, well, that's, whoa. Um well that that's that's really interesting. So because garlic is like they believe to be a blood tonic and vampires supposedly drink blood they mix them together and we're like well clearly if you've got lots of strong blood strong blood they can't do it they can't do it okay right, that's right. interesting um here here's this is not a plant myth but is a vampire myth yes, yes. Uh, i was in romania once and there's a castle there called bran castle which is the castle that was uh that the book dracula by bram stoker was based off of mm-hmm. and it is in romania where the real uh vlad dracul who was inspired Dracula is from, but he never really spent any time at that castle. Mm. So it was just this English dude decided to like slam these like vampire myths together and make a fun story. But um, I don't know if garlic features at all in that story though, but where do vampires come from? Like originally, where did that, where did the idea of a blood sucking human come from? Um, that's a good question. Who then I, turns I, into a bat. I think, I think, I think, <laughs> um, we have to maybe, uh, well, my wife is in the room. Maybe she has an answer. Here, here you go. Here, here Carla. Actually, the, the uh, vampire lore developed in different cultures around the same time, but like different, like I think in India they had a, a vampire story and it was like proto-vampire. It wasn't quite like you think of like Dracula. And then in Greece, they also had um, like a vampire myth. And I forget like where else it might have been like Poland um like so different cultures developed them wow. around the same time um Suspicious. that's fascinating and i actually have a plant fact that's kind of along those lines oh great let's let's get into um, it so while researching for this episode i also learned that the phrase knock on wood uh-huh actually comes from a variety of ancient cultures all happening around the same time so similar to what mm. Carla just mentioned to us, we don't know exactly actually the root of it or why, but the thought, like why it was happening at the same time, that is. But the why knock on wood is because trees are these wise, ancient, strong beings that could possibly house the gods. Mm. And so if you knocked on it, you were waking them up and asking for their favor. Mm. So we're not sure, you know, why did that form around the same time? Why did vampires form around the same time around ancient world cultures. I wonder if in yeah. all those ways that vampires formed around the same time, if garlic was always in there or where they came from. Something I'll have to look up, maybe dig into later yeah. about that specifics, because that's really fascinating. Um, but yeah, those were some fun plant myths that Ooh. got busted. Or or did they, in or, the case or, of some of them? Or did they? <laughs> and uh, that wraps up another episode of Rootbound. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Ashley Grolig. Ashley is not a picky eater. She loves all vegetables except for peas. She is also an attorney in New York City. I was also joined on this episode by Maggie Dwayne and Ashley Holmes of the Watering Hole Podcast. You can check that out at thewateringholepod.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Rootbound is hosted by me, Steve, Team Carrot, Ellington, Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. But if you can go outside, 
Give peas a chance. Badia, say do you remember? Badia, dancing in September. Badia, never was a cloudy day.